Welcome back. It is a brand new episode of the Round and Third Baseball Podcast brought to you by Beyond the Monster. And this week we have Connor Newcomb of the Locked On Orioles podcast. We talk about the state of the Baltimore Orioles as the 2023 season is just around the corner. We take a look at the minor league system. We talk about the rotation, some dark horse candidates who can make the 26-man roster, Camden Yards, and so much more. I I just want to jump right into it, honestly. So, um, we obviously know a lot about the Orioles. We're we're Boston based, so we see you a ton of times. But what is your, I guess, big picture here? I I would say last year, from a Red Sox and baseball perspective, everybody kind of said the Orioles were that underdog. They overachieved, I guess. They were a little ahead of where. Uh, the rebuild is and what this year though, what are the expectations in Baltimore? Like, yeah, I mean, for this year, it's, it's going to be interesting because now you've got Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez for a whole year. And those have been your top three prospects throughout this rebuild. I mean, DL hall as well is really your top four guys and they're going to be on this team but they didn't really add anything else. You know, a lot of people thought that it was going to be time to go all in. Maybe not Carlos Correa or Trey Turner go all in, but sign some pitching, sign a hitter that, you know, to a multi-year deal. And instead they went the Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, James McCann route uh, this off season. So because of that, it's a lot of optimism because the system is so good. And the guys are at the top of the system and they're either in the big leagues or they're ready to get to the big leagues. But it's also how lucky was this team last year? How much did they play over their skis to get to 83 wins? And because really the improvements are just the young guys advanced a year and are closer or in the big leagues, you know, can that lead to this team getting over the hump and getting to the playoffs? So kind of the big picture is like the rebuild is over. The team is ready to try to win, but only their in-house people have shown that and they haven't added anything from the outside that would really, really show that they're, they're going all in. Yeah. It's uh, I, I feel like even any team, obviously uh, any team in the AL East, it's going to be harder to, because as we saw last year, that the division, I mean, besides the Red Sox was pretty competitive at, all the way down the stretch. So um it's so hard for me, even though it, I'm just trying to look at even in the division at the Orioles. And it's like, it's so hard. Like you just said, it's like, you know, you, you didn't have like the, you know, the, the sexy additions, like um, every other team in division pretty much had, but I don't know. It's young and exciting. And um, I know everybody's talking about a shortstop that is on the cusp and I don't really know much about him. And I know Jamie, is going to ask you more about like prospect wise, who is going to contribute the most this year out of that prospect, like that top prospect group. Yeah. So, I mean, Gunnar Henderson is the number one guy. He's the number one prospect in baseball right now. Uh, He came up at the end of last year, got called up on August 31st and basically played every day down the stretch in September for a team that when he got called up, I mean, the O's were, I believe, three games out of the wild card when he got called up there. So they called him up to compete for a playoff spot. And he played well. The Orioles kind of fizzled a little bit down the stretch. I mean, everything just kind of called up to them in September last year. Still finished with a winning record, but finished three games out. He was great 
He's a top prospect in baseball. Henderson, he's probably going to play more third base to start the year just because the Orioles have Jorge Mateo at shortstop who won the Fielding Bible Award for his defense at short last year. So Henderson's going to play third. He's he's great there as well. Left-handed hitter, big-time pop, really good defender, hits for average, hits for power. He is that five-tool prospect package, um, runs really well. He He is the guy. Um, and it's crazy that the O's have had back-to-back number one prospects with Adley Rutschman and then Gunnar Henderson. Um, he's going to hit the middle of the order too. It's not like he came up and hit eighth and ninth down the stretch. He hit third in the Orioles order for most of September. I mean, he basically hit sixth for a week and then he hit third for the rest of the year. I mean, that's how good he already was when he came up to the big leagues. And so he's the guy. Now, is he going to go through some rough stretches? Yeah, it's his first full big league season. He's, you know, 21, 22 years old, but he is a legitimate, legitimate middle of the order all-star bat. And that's kind of the positive side of this Orioles season. It's like, yeah, they didn't go add Carlos Correa, which was like the pipe dream for Orioles fans. But they did kind of add Gunnar Henderson, who could be just as good as Carlos Correa one day, and you're going to get him for a full season for the first time. Yeah. Kind of keeping on the prospects talk um i want to know who's who's some guys that you're kind of looking out for that might not be you know that top five um prospect wise that everyone's talking about that are kind of flying under the radar heading into this season yeah i'd say number one is probably joey ortiz uh, another shortstop this oriole system is loaded with shortstops earlier this offseason you know you could argue the best player they acquired this offseason is cole irvin adding him from the athletics just to kind of shore up the rotation they traded away a prospect daryl hernais in that trade who was a top 20 prospect in the Orioles system, like pretty good player. He was in double a, you know, has some promise. He was probably the seventh best shortstop in the system. And he was the 19th ranked prospect. That's how many good shortstops the Orioles have in this system. And the next up is Joey Ortiz. And he's going to be interesting because he got added to the 40 man roster this off season. Now he's not going to make the opening day roster. He's going to start the year in triple a, but he is probably the best defensive shortstop the Orioles have ever had in their system. And that includes Manny Machado. That includes Gunnar Henderson. That includes guys like that. He is on a different level. Now, the question has always been, can the bat play to a major league level to get him into the big leagues? It never did until last year when he caught fire at the end of the season, got himself on all the top 100 prospect lists across baseball, got himself on the 40-man roster. And I mentioned Jorge Mateo earlier. Mateo was one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball last year, but Mateo hit like 210. So if Mateo continues to do that, Joey Ortiz is going to replace him at some point because he's going to give you just as good of a defensive glove and maybe a better bat. And I think at some point this year, he's a guy you could see. Now, he's not going to come in and hit third like Gunnar Henderson did, but he's going to be in the big leagues at some point this year. I watched a lot of Mateo tape last year, um, just hours of like watching him field. And that was my thing too with this bat, if he could just, you know, get that up. Yeah, it's it's and if he gets it up at all, like he's going to start blocking prospects because if Mateo's hitting, I mean, if he can hit 250, you got to play him every day. That's how good the defense is. He's going to steal 40, 45 bases. Um, he's just got to hit a little bit. Yeah. And would you put any of those prospects kind of on the untouchable list? Yeah, in, in terms of trades, I mean, they're not going to give up Gunnar Henderson, uh, but mostly because he's already in the big leagues. Um, at this point, they're not going to give up Jackson Holiday, who they took number one in the draft last year, you know, 19 years old. They're going to see that guy out. I mean, they think he's going to be a stud. But – and I'd probably put Grayson Rodriguez on that list just because he'll make his debut. He's probably going to be in the opening day starting rotation. He'll probably be the number five starter. 
and they put a lot of eggs in the Grayson Rodriguez basket. But to me, if they want to go get a legitimate big league starting pitcher with a trade, they have, as I mentioned, so many shortstops. Not all those guys can play in the big league. So you got guys like a Jordan Westberg, for example, who's a top 100 prospect. He's a good player. He might never get an everyday role with the Orioles just because of how many infielders they have. And so they have a lot of guys like that that I think they could send away in the right trade. Yeah. What picture would you put on that list? I know there's been some fun um, rumors on Twitter with uh, Corbin Burns coming to the Sox. Uh, but who would you kind of put on that list that you would trade those? What picture would you trade those guys for? Yeah, I mean, Corbin Burns is number one on my list. Uh, it doesn't seem like he wants to be in Milwaukee. I mean, all that talk he had about the arbitration process this offseason. So he's got two years left. I would have put together a big package to go get Corbin Burns. I think the Orioles have the hitting prospects to go do it. I know the Brewers system has some good hitting prospects, but their offense in the majors is what holds them back. So I would have maybe packaged a couple of big league hitters with some prospects to maybe go get Corbin Burns. I'd be open to giving up anything for him. I don't know if the Orioles would be. And the other issue is the O's haven't spent any money. So who says they would extend Corbin Burns if the Brewers won't? So you always have to take that into account. I think the guys kind of under him on that list would be way less sexy names. It would be a list of guys from the Marlins, probably. Pablo Lopez was on that list before he got traded. Maybe a guy like Jesus Lazardo, if he ever became available, or an Edward Cabrera type from Miami um, would certainly be be guys on that list. And then the other pipe dream is Shane Bieber. If you know Cleveland ever got to the point where they weren't going to extend him, and I think the O's have the prospects to go get him, it's just a question of would they actually extend one of those guys. You think the um, do you think a lot of what's going on with like the Angelos family? Obviously, I don't follow the Orioles as closely, but obviously have a, a pulse of what's going on. Do you think a big part of what's going on with the Angels is the reason why they haven't really spent to the expectation of what fans would like to see? Yeah, it, it's been kind of a roller coaster trying to figure out how much is Angelos, how much is you know, market size, and how much is Mike Elias and the front office and. It seems to be a lot of Angelos. I mean, the family was suing each other for the past year. I mean, that lawsuit just settled um, a couple of months ago. But basically, John Angelos has been in control of the team since his dad, Peter Angelos, basically became so ill that he was just unable to run the team. And then John's brother, Louis Angelos, was suing because he thought he got pushed out of having any you know, doings with the Orioles. And with all of that happening... You just had them, it felt like not really looking at the team. And then you have all the Angelos quotes where he said things like, you know, hosting concerts at Camden Yards is more important than, you know, paying players. And at that point, it's just like, what are we doing here? Um, so I, I think that's definitely holding them back at this point. I want to, you had mentioned uh, Camden Yards too. They just recently, was it five years that the lease was extended? For the ballpark now? Well, they had an opportunity to extend it five years. They declined it. So right now, mm. the lease is up December 31st. And now John Angelos and the new governor of Maryland, Wes Moore, who just came into office in January, they have told everyone that, hey, don't worry. We didn't extend it because we wanted a brand new lease. We wanted to make it better. We wanted better options for the Orioles and for the ballpark and for the area around the stadium. But it's it's nervous times when you're nine months away and you don't have a new one yet. I, I was gonna say, um, 
Camden Yards is still on my bucket list. I've never been. Um, and I know that I see it on a bunch of lists that it's there. PNC, uh, I know San Francisco is always up there. And it's just one of those, those places that I got to keep seeing baseball at, even though I've never been, I want to go pretty bad. So I, it's going to be on my list in the next two years, but um, actually let me jump in really quick. I have a question about, about, because I went to Camden. When was it? Maybe 15 years ago. Is the bar pickles still near the ballpark? Yes. Pickles pub is still right across the street. It is still crazy before opening day. It is still crazy before every Friday, Saturday night game. Um, it's still crazy before every giveaway game. Uh, it is, it is right there and it is kind of the, the pregame spot for Camden Yards. But Andrew, if you go, you need to go there. There was beer pong and like what I remember the, just the back room. <laughs> it was the most random experience, but it was, it was a cool spot. Yeah. It's, it's on the bucket list. I'm telling you. Um, and I was I so we had a a guy who's trying to make the Orioles roster on our podcast uh over the offseason, Josh Lester. Um I'm a big fan of his. He was a Mizzou guy. Um so we're obviously rooting for him to make the roster this year. And I he was he started off pretty slow. I'll give you that. Uh, I think he was oh for his first eleven or something that I saw, and then he just absolutely started tearing the cover off the ball. Um, I have to ask you, like, out of all the non-roster guys, and even Franchi Cordero included, we're we're pretty familiar with Franchi. Um, are there any guys that are surprising you this spring that even have a shot? Does Lester have a shot? Yeah, I think the top two guys surprising of NRIs that have maybe an outside chance are Franchi and Josh Lester right now. I mean, Josh Lester is because the Orioles have clearly unlocked something that he somewhat unlocked with Detroit, but either the Tigers... I mean, here's the thing I can't understand about Josh Lester. First of all, he's probably not going to make the team just because the Orioles kind of have their 13 hitters set, but they're hoping they can keep him in AAA Norfolk. And if anybody gets injured, he could be the first guy they call on if they don't want to bring up one of the top prospects yet. What I don't understand is the Tigers had the worst offense in baseball for like the last two years, and Josh Lester was killing it in AAA. Why is this guy only getting, I think, like five games in the big leagues with the Tigers? I, I don't Solid understand Solid question. That. But he's got a good swing. He hits the ball really, really hard. He's had he's had a great spring. And then the other guy is Franchi Cordero. I mean, listen, I mean, every team, it seems like an MLB, has had the idea, oh, we can fix Franchi Cordero. And I don't think the Orioles have done it. But he's now like 17 for 33 in spring training. And so I know some of that's coming against AAA-level pitchers later in games, but some of it's coming against big leaguers. I mean, he had two hits against Garrett Cole on Sunday. And you're just looking at him and you're saying – He's probably not going to make the team because he can't really play defense anywhere at this point, and you still know the strikeouts are a huge, huge issue. But when a guy's hitting over 500 and more than 30 at-bats in spring training, you at least look at him and say, can we squeeze him into AAA? Or can the Orioles potentially trade him before spring training is over and get a, you know, a relief arm that may not be a solid big leaguer, but like a lottery ticket relief arm that has a better chance of making the Orioles than Franchi Cordero. So I think those two guys are the surprising parts. I just think the unfortunate part for them is there's a couple spots open in the bullpen right now. There's really not a hitting spot open unless somebody gets hurt. So it's just been kind of a tough break um, for the two of them. But I could seriously see Cordero either getting traded or opting out and making a, an opening day roster with another club. Yeah. And I was, you brought up the bullpen too. I, um, you know, we're 
I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are that you've seen so far on AJ Puidi and um, even I'll even throw in Darwin's and Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez, we haven't seen much because he was with Team Venezuela at the WBC. Oh, uh, um, it's true. I think he only pitched in one game with Venezuela. So he really, we basically didn't get to see any of them. Like he was just kind of sitting in the bullpen with Venezuela, not pitching. Um, and then they just optioned him when he got back today. They literally said, hey, welcome back to camp. You're going to minor league camp. Um, so Hernandez is not making the team. I think it was just a bad scenario for him where, of course, he wanted to go to the WBC. But if you go, you better pitch. And yeah. because he wasn't pitching, I think it just put him in a really tough spot. He'll be an option for the Orioles. We know the stuff is there. We know the command is not there. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that works out. Politi is interesting. I think he's going to make the team. So I'm doing my final opening day roster prediction episode probably later this week or early next week. And right now I'm leaning towards giving him the final bullpen spot. And it's not necessarily about his performance, although he's been pretty solid. It's kind of two things. One, Dylan Tate, who's been the Orioles' kind of most consistent reliever, is going to be out for all of April with a forearm issue. So a spot is opened up in the bullpen. And it's basically down to Politi and Mike Bauman, who was a former top pitching prospect who's been converted into a reliever. Bauman probably has better stuff, has spent much more time in the organization. The Orioles know him much more. He's pitched you know, up and down in the big leagues in AAA the last two years. But Bauman has an option, whereas Politi you'd have to send back to the Red Sox. And I just kind of think they're going to want to get a little bit more of a look at him. And because I think it's down to him and a guy with a minor league option, I think they're going to put him on the roster and at least see what happens. And listen, if it's not good for a month, the Orioles are competing, so they're going to send him back to Boston. But I think they're going to give him a shot to kind of, you know, rule five picks are always interesting because sometimes you get a longer spring training that lasts into the regular season to kind of win a roster spot. And that's what I think it's going to be for Politi. Like he's never going to pitch later than the sixth inning. He's probably never going to pitch in a one run game, but they're going to give him chances in low leverage spots to, to kind of win his job in April. And we'll see what happens. Chris, Jamie. Uh... Yeah, actually there is a, there is a prospect that Baltimore has that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, Sox had his rights when they drafted uh, Judd Fabian, and then obviously he didn't sign, and then Baltimore scooped him up. Just what's your thoughts on on Fabian? Because I was excited when the Sox got him, um, second-round pick a few years back. I thought he was going to be an interesting player um, to continue to beef up this farm system, but obviously it didn't, it didn't um, come to fruition. What's your thoughts on Fabian? Yeah, Fabian's so interesting because he had a deal, apparently, with the Orioles because the O's had the pick right after Boston did in the 2021 draft and he had a verbal deal with the Orioles and then the Sox picked him and whatever Boston offered him as a signing bonus was not what the Orioles deal was. And he said no and went back to Florida. And one year later, honestly, his stats weren't as good in 2022 at Florida and he drops in the draft, but the Orioles still get him. And whatever swing change the Orioles had a plan for in 2021, they made in 2022 because he lit the world on fire. He made it to high A by the end of the minor league season. I mean, it was basically two months and he was playing in the high A playoffs with the Aberdeen Ironbirds and was like hitting fourth in their order. It's big power. The strikeouts are there. They've been there his whole baseball career, but he plays an elite center field. He's got huge power and they've tweaked the swing a bit to cut down the strikeouts. Orioles people are very excited about Judd Fabian. He's going to be in double A this year in his first full minor league season. And he seems to be like the quickest riser from last year's draft where we could see him in the big leagues, I mean, by 2024, if he continues to hit like this. 
I was also wondering too, what would you say are the Orioles' biggest their biggest strength, their biggest weakness going into the season? Yeah, I think their biggest strength is depth. It's something they haven't had in a really long time. I mean, obviously, like the 2019, 2020, 2021 rebuilding Orioles didn't even have starters, let alone depth. But now they've got legitimate depth. Like they came into camp with 12 guys competing for the five rotation spots. And we're all 12 of those major league caliber starting pitchers. Maybe not, but eight or nine of them were. And when you look at that, they're going to send a couple of them to the bullpen. They're going to send a couple of them to AAA to be ready. And they haven't had that kind of pitching depth in a while. They got a lot of relief arms. And as I mentioned, you know, when you're a big league player like Franchi Cordero, who's been in the big leagues multiple times, and you go 17 for 33 in spring training, and you can't make the roster, you know you're on a team with a little bit of depth. And that's where the Orioles sit right now. I think that's their biggest strength. Their biggest weakness on the flip side is top-end pitching talent. Although they have, you know, eight starters, they've got eight number four starters, eight number three and four starters. They do not have a one. They do not have a two. Grayson Rodriguez could become that this year, 100%. But he's never thrown a big league pitch. You just don't know. John Means is that. He's not going to be back till July from his Tommy John surgery he had last year. So the biggest weakness is, yeah, you feel like you've risen, you, you know, you've you've rose the floor on this team, that the floor is getting higher. But if you need to give the ball to somebody, you know, in a September game to go get you closer to the playoffs, I don't know who that would be because you don't really have that bulldog in the rotation right now, that number one guy. Can you yeah. Give us, can you give us a, a one outside of, cause you mentioned you, you were high on, on Joey Ortiz in the, in the system. Give us one player that more than likely going to, you're going to see a lot of with the Orioles this season that fans should be excited about outside of Anderson and, a guy currently in the minors or a guy already on the big league roster? Yeah, I mean, either or. Someone that might make an impact for the team this year. Yeah, I would say a, a guy who's gotten to the majors briefly already, but is probably pretty well known as D.L. Hall. It's just a question of whether or not he's going to be a starter or reliever. Uh, just crazy stuff from the left side. Throws 99, great changeup, wipeout slider. They're basically trying to figure out whether he's still a starter or whether he's moving to the bullpen, so we will see. Um, but but someone a little bit deeper than that that I'm I'm really interested to watch um, potentially get to the big leagues this year and really make an impact uh, is Connor Norby. Now he's a little further away from the bigs. He ended the year in AAA last year, second round pick in 2021 out of ECU, second baseman who can play a little left field. He's kind of limited defensively, but his bat is insane. He led the system in homers last year. All he's done is hit, and he's going to start the year in AAA because he only has like 50 AAA plate appearances. But if he continues to hit, he's going to hit his way onto the roster. And when you're looking up at second base on the Orioles right now, and you're seeing Taron Vavra and Adam Frazier, you're not exactly scared if you're Connor Norby that those guys are going to block you. Like, if you're hitting, you're going to play over Adam Frazier. And so we could see Connor Norby after the All-Star break. And this dude just hits and hits and hits. I think he's my favorite kind of underrated player in the system. He popped up on right on the back end of a lot of top 100 lists this year, like in the 90s. This offseason on, on a lot of places like Fangraphs and ESPN, and I'm really excited to see him in the bigs this year. I caught one spring training game when the Orioles played the Tigers, and he was a guy who stood out to me. I think he had like two line drives. Um, he looked very good on that brief brief appearance I saw him. Yeah, he hits the ball hard no matter what. I mean, he got called up. He had a crazy year in AA. He got called up to AAA last year, gets put in the leadoff spot in the AAA order in his first game, and homers on the first pitch he sees in AAA. 
I mean, that's all he's done throughout his minor league career. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I feel like the Orioles have definitely uh, the rebuilds. Almost, it's pretty much there, and it, it's it seems like you know I, I keep thinking back too because you know with the division, it's just like oh, every time I used to see the Orioles, it was you know series win. You know, it's mark that as a series win, but it's not like that anymore. So um, it's it's exciting. The whole division's good. Um, and I, I guess just, uh, I got one more for you. I, I, I wanted to keep it kind of short. I, uh, I know we had you on late here, but obviously opening day next Thursday in Fenway for the Orioles. Um, do you have like any, uh, anything you're looking forward to in opening series for the Orioles side of things? Or, um, you know, how do you think they stack up against the Sox this year? Yeah, I think number one thing I'm looking forward to is you always like to win open day, right? It always just sets a nice tone for your season. It's the big excitement day. And nothing against Corey Kluber, but the fact that the Orioles are only facing Corey Kluber on opening day does make me feel a little bit better. I know the Orioles just dominated Chris Sale in a spring training game on Tuesday, but I think Chris Sale would scare me a lot more than than, than Corey Kluber on opening day, especially with what Sale's done to the Orioles in the past. Um, and I think the other exciting thing for that first series in Fenway is – most likely how the rotation is going to play out. The Orioles are going to get to see Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin make their debuts in the rotation for the Orioles. They're two kind of veteran guys they brought in this year. And not that one start is going to set the tone for their entire season, but getting to see both of those guys against a division rival in a ballpark that's sometimes tough to pitch in. Um, I think it could, you know, set somewhat of a tone for those two guys. And then it's just, listen, opening day for the Orioles with, some hope for the season for the first time since 2017. I mean, that's, that's the feeling that we haven't had in a while. You got all these top prospects on the team um, going to Fenway where you could make an argument that the Orioles have at least as good of a team as the Red Sox do right now, which you haven't been able to say in a very long time as well. Um, so there's just a lot of excitement again, to, to get back there for the first time with this regime, with Brandon high, with Michael Elias to have a team that, is actually trying to make the playoffs going into a season. And that's an energy we haven't had in Baltimore in a while. Yeah. I mean, it's, I agree with you because I like uh wholeheartedly it's uh, like you said, it's like, this might be one of the first times where you kind of look at the game, uh, look at the year and you're like, wow. Like obviously last year was the same, like Baltimore had a better record than the Red Sox. And um, you weren't, you wouldn't have guessed that at the beginning of the season last year. I, I don't think many would. So um, it should be exciting for the AL East, and I'm I'm excited for opening uh, opening day. I haven't seen the temperature yet. It's probably going to be pretty chilly. Uh, I can only see up till next Wednesday. Looked like it was in the 40s, so I don't know if the offenses are going to be swinging out of the gate. But um, well, Connor, we uh, we appreciate the time. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of the Orioles this year. Um, it's nice to be able to get that insight and. Uh, kind of get some behind the scenes on them as well. So uh, we definitely appreciated the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. And I I, uh, I always love talking to Orioles. And here's the thing. I've been talking to Orioles on this podcast that, that I run locked on Orioles for, for three years. And listen, and, until we got about halfway through last season, it was a drag getting through a lot of those podcasts. And now to have a good team to talk about it, it's a whole lot of fun. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy for you. And it, it, it's, it, it doesn't pain me as much to see the Orioles winning compared to obviously like if they're going up against the Yankees or even the Blue Jays, I'll say like, it's, it, I, I'll rather, I'd rather have the Orioles win than any, any of those other teams and the Rays too. So um, like I said, we appreciate it. And uh, we definitely might have, might look forward to having you on again in the future sometime. Sounds great. Thank you guys. 
Thank you for checking out our latest episode of the Round and Third Baseball Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Type in Round and Third, a baseball podcast. Hit that subscribe button and you'll get alerted to every single episode that will drop this coming season. Head on over to beyondthemonster.substack.com. Enter your email address and get all of our latest content absolutely free.